Hi guys, this is Bobby Rio from TSB Magazine, tsbmag.com. I've got a really excellent interview for you on the subject of building confidence and developing inner game. I'll be talking to Matthew Hussey, a personal development and lifestyle coach, and just some of the things we'll discuss in this 60-minute interview are how a guy can get started creating a more confident identity, what exactly the three levels of confidence are and how to develop each level, three lessons you can use to immediately see some results. You'll learn how to plan some good short and long-term goals of developing this inner strength. And we'll talk about what exactly does finding your passion and purpose mean, how to eliminate negative people from your life, what kind of experiences are most crucial for the development of self-confidence. I think you're really going to enjoy this interview, so let's get started. Hello, today I'm here interviewing public speaker, inner game coach, and PUA training consultant, Matthew Hussey. We're going to talk about how to develop core confidence. Matthew, would you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do? Yeah, absolutely, Bobby. Uh, I have been in this game, i.e. the game of promoting confidence and skills in human interactions for a good few years now, both coaching guys and, in fact, uh, recently women on how to be more confident, how to get more out of their lives through actually being more socially savvy um, and actually taking a lot more action in all areas of their lives. Uh, that's something that I've been doing a long time, both with PUA training and with all other areas too. My, my coaching actually goes into other spheres too. Okay, and how did you get started in personal development? I was, <laughs> I guess I was, I was like 13 or 12 or 13 and I started reading How to Win Friends and Influence People. Um, which, was, yeah, it was way back, and, and I don't know what made me read it in the first place, um, but when I started reading it, I just got fascinated with the idea that you can have an edge, that there's something you can do, there's, there's practical things you can apply which allow you to actually have an edge and, and really get ahead, because even growing up in my teens, I realized that school, school wasn't how people were getting ahead. <laughs> School wasn't how people were really becoming rich, becoming famous, getting ladies. That, that wasn't how they were doing it. They needed something more. And school wasn't teaching that. And I started to read a hell of a lot around that subject. Um, I read a lot more books. Uh, through my teens, I was reading kind of hundreds of books in this area, um, not just to do with, with uh, that stuff, but to do with body language, to do with confidence, to do with uh, just taking action. And I got really caught up in it, much more than any normal teenager probably should. And I just got kind of bent on, on having an edge and, and how I could actually continuously improve myself to be better. And by the time I was 18, 19, I, I, I thought I had everything figured out. Um, I didn't, but I thought I did. And I started coaching. I started actually helping other people and, and really trying to change their lives too. And then shortly after, I actually became involved with the PUA scene and actually helping guys in that scene too. So I was kind of an early starter and, uh, you know, it, it, was a, it was a really steep learning curve for me. Oh, that's actually really interesting. Um, we actually have a lot of younger younger audience and listeners and readers and as getting into that personal development at a younger age, how do you how did you find it? How did you find it work as compared to 
you know, people who get into it at, as a, at a later age? Like a book well, like I, Habit Went... Oh. Yeah, I think that's a great question. I, I think it really doesn't matter what age you start to hit that stuff because whatever age it hits you, it, it makes a massive impact. I really believe that. I believe it because I, I've coached thousands of people now and I see it in whatever age group there is. I think young people love it especially because they feel like they're getting this head start. Um, I know I did. I felt like I was getting a big head start on the world uh, and my generation and I was I was kind of, you know, I had tools which other people didn't and that gave me a certain level of confidence. I guess more than anything, what that whole, what, what you know, that self-development kind of stuff does is it gives you this this sense that you can just, you can have it. Whatever it is, you can have it. And that you just got to go for it. You just got to try. And and that was really, uh, it sounds simple, but most of us never think like that. We, we, we have these things that we would love, we would dream of, but actually believing that we can have those things is a different thing altogether. And I think it, almost the first step in, in the PUA scene for most guys is realizing that they can have it. Whatever it is, they can have it. Whether it's increased options with women, whether it's finding the love of their life, whatever it is, they can have it. And the first step has got to be to start to logically believe that. I know that in the beginning, you can't always totally convince yourself on every level that you can have that because, you know, that comes with getting a few experiences under your belt. But it's just that that idea that you know what maybe I can do this maybe you know maybe this is possible once you start to believe that you know you start to set stuff in motion you start to act differently and 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 that's really what starts to get you different results I was starting to do that from an early age and that really changed the course of my life from an early age I wouldn't even be I wouldn't be anywhere near where I am today if I hadn't first read those books yeah, I, I can testify to that. It's funny. Um, <laughs> that's exact the exact book that got me into the whole thing too was really friends and influence. Wow. A little later, I, I was uh, probably in college at the time, but yeah, once that opened my eyes to to the edge, exactly what you were talking about. It's, yeah, it's kind of one of the dinosaurs of that book, isn't it? <laughs> it's yeah. been around a long time. Classic though. And, uh, you know, you mentioned kind of like building that inner game. Do you, do you believe that inner game is something that you need before experience or, or does inner game come from experience? Well, that's really interesting because a lot of people do use this term in a game. And I think people both neglect it whilst at the same time getting very caught up in it. Um, and I'll explain what I mean by that. I think when when uh, you will have experienced yourself when people talk to you about this scene, this area, the thing that most people want straight away is, is openers and routines and, and what can I say and what's the quick fix, what's the silver bullet that's going to make this all right. And that generally shows this kind of this this neglect for what we call in a game, which is basically your internal level of confidence. But what I also find is people get really caught up in this idea of in a game and this idea that they haven't got it. You know, that people are always saying to me, I need to build my inner game. I need to, to raise my inner game. I haven't got in a game right now. Well, the truth is your inner game is never going to be perfect. And I think people get caught up in it being too perfect. 
we all we all have moments where you know our confidence how we feel our general state isn't in the right place that's life and we can't be strong every second of every day we have weak moments we have moments where you know we don't quite feel at our peak that's fine that's absolutely fine um I think that the inner game is definitely, when you start out, something that you have to focus on. But I don't think you should get caught up in it because it's, it's, it's like the more, the more you try and grab confidence, sometimes the more elusive it becomes. Um, and I think what we have to do in the beginning is say, right, I know, that, I know that I need some experiences under my belt which are going to build in a game. But I also know that I can't always be waiting for experiences to make me feel good. So what I'm going to do in a practical sense is say, all right, I'm going to go out and create experiences that are really going to build a positive image of all this for me. Now, essentially in life I teach that there are only two options you have. You can either wait or you can create. You know, you either wait around for opportunities to happen to you or you go out and you create them. You always have that option or those two options rather. Uh So initially you have to say, right, I'm not going to wait for experiences to happen to me that so that then I can feel confident. I'm going to go out and create these experiences that make me feel more confident that raise my inner game. But I'm also not going to wait for these experiences to feel to, to be great experiences before I decide to feel good. You know, you need no excuse to feel good. You need no excuse to feel confident. You can feel it any time you want. We just have a story usually about what it takes before we can feel confident. I, I have to be able to walk into a club and get the first girl that I see that I'm attracted to in order to feel confident. Well, that's just not true. You can, you can actually feel confident very quickly if you just change your state and you change your focus. Um, but, we, you know, we can come on to that in a little bit. But my, my answer to your question is basically... Yes, you need experiences to back up um, the inner game that you're trying to get. So you need some great experiences, but you need to go out and create those experiences, not wait for them. And in the meantime, you need to feel good anyway, right? You're alive, you're healthy, you're doing your thing, you have the option to get good. That's, that's reason enough to be happy, to get confident. That's interesting. You talk about uh, creating the experiences that build inner game. Well, in your experience coaching and working with guys, what have you found to be the best way for a guy lacking in his self-confidence to create that identity of a more confident man? You know, what is he creating? What is he? What would you suggest going out and doing? Okay. Well, I think to to understand this, you have to understand that there are there are three main levels of confidence. Um, this is basically my model for confidence that I've been teaching for some time because it's the only one I know that actually explains everything. In, in the way I see confidence, there are three levels. The first level is your surface level confidence. Okay, so this is everything to do with how you walk, how you talk, what you say, how you present yourself, your body language. It's all that stuff that we see the moment we meet someone. Okay, now, that, that part of confidence, that's the part that, you know, I, I, Bobby, I'm sure you've read books where they say, you, confidence books, where they say, well, the beautiful thing about confidence is that confidence could be faked. Yeah, well, until you make it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the truth is, that surface level confidence, that's the part that can be faked. Mm. That's the part that you can actually take on for yourself. 
whether you feel confident internally or not. And that's great. That's a beautiful thing. So what you have to do in the beginning is create that surface level of confidence. You can say, okay, I know that there are, there are ways that confident people stand. I know that there are ways that confident people use their voice, the ways they talk. I know there are, there are confident people take up space. I know that confident people gesture in a certain way. They gesture powerfully. Once you get that, you need to get all those components together. Research, you know, look at people you know are confident. Look at role models who you see as ultimately confident, whether they're film stars or just people on the TV or just people you know around you. And start to model those little things that they do externally, that surface level confidence. Then you can start creating already. Okay, you're creating that ideal self that you have. Now, initially, people are going to feed off of that. Okay, and what you'll find is the world starts to respond to you differently because you're doing those things differently. And we kind of get a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy here because when people respond to you differently, you start to respond to yourself a little differently. So enough people see you walking confidently, talking confidently, standing in a strong way. People will start to actually comment on that and people start to actually appreciate that you're a strong person, you're a strong, confident person. And when they do, you start to think, oh, well, maybe I am a strong, confident person. You know, People are starting to say that and then you start to believe it. So that's the first step. The second step is your middle level confidence, okay? That's your second level of confidence, your middle level confidence. Now your middle level confidence is everything that relates to your lifestyle. So in life basically there are a whole bunch of areas that you derive confidence from. It's like, imagine it like a matrix and Within that matrix, there are a whole bunch of squares that represent different parts of your life. Now, those parts of your life could be your family, they could be your job, they could be a certain sports that you play well, they could be hobbies that you have, like, you know, if you play piano or you speak languages or whatever. They're all different areas where you derive your confidence from, okay? Now, the more areas you have in your matrix, the more confident you're going to feel and the better you do those areas, the more confident you're going to feel all around. Um, so what you have to do in the beginning is look at your matrix. Write down, write down all those things that you you derive confidence from. Okay. And first, look at are you neglecting any of them? And secondly, look at if any of those squares right now are looking a little weak. So if right now you can see that actually I don't have that many hobbies or you know, I could actually add a couple of things to my matrix. You know, I've always wanted to learn a language or I've always wanted to um, take up that sport and get good. Or, I've, you know, I've always wanted to learn how to handle myself. So I'm going to take up boxing. You know, whatever it is for you, you have to start creating in that area, right? You wait or you create. Well, you have to start creating in your lifestyle too on this middle level of confidence. Because when you do that, and I know this seems like it's a little bit aside from, from pickup and, and dating, but actually it's not. Because what you'll find is if you start adding to your life in different ways and you start to make yourself more multidimensional, you start to really build your, your inner game. You start to build your confidence. Because now when you're having conversations with people, you have so much in your life that you're proud of and that you can draw on in any conversation. So someone starts talking about dancing and you can refer back to that dance class you did two weeks ago or someone starts talking about, you know, their bodies and actually you feel really proud of your body because you've got that part of your life taken care of. 
But whatever it is, you actually are starting to get more and more proud of your life in general. And that's a massive, massive asset because that starts to create experiences which reinforce how confident you really are. Also then, you have to be prepared to take action in the area where currently you're, you're, you're feeling nervous, you're feeling less confident. So part of your matrix is saying, okay, I know that, let, let's say it is go, the classic one of going out and let's say approaching and meeting women, okay? Because we know that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's really there uh, and we know a lot of guys have that. So let's say that that's an area where you're nervous in, that's a part of your matrix you know you need to expand on. Okay, so in that area, you need to start taking action and creating some experiences. It doesn't matter right now if you create some negative ones, if you get some rejection or whatever. All that matters is you know you're growing in that area. And as long as you're getting rejected, as long as you're failing, well, you're growing. You know, you don't grow with the successes, with, the, with every time a girl says yes. You don't really grow that much or at least nothing compared to when you actually get failures. So you have to go in there and start creating those experiences, okay? Once you're doing that, you know that in all areas in your lifestyle level, you're starting to grow, and that can only mean good things. What you'll find is, a lot of the time, guys, I'm sure you, you've seen this, Bobby, is guys will focus only on their love life, only on, on the, the women's side. And what that means is, when that goes wrong, it goes badly wrong, because now they validate themselves only on that part of their life, and if that goes wrong, they suddenly feel like, well, God, what's my identity? You know, I'm trying to be good with women, but it's proving to, to you know, the experiences yeah. are showing otherwise. What do I have left? Well, if you at the same time as doing that are, you know, creating in other areas, so you're, you know, you're doing those things you always wanted to do. You, you're, going, you're going on those holidays you wanted to go on. You're learning that language you always wanted to learn. You're doing this sport. You're learning how to you know, be healthy or whatever. Then you're actually evening it out. You're, you're playing a much safer game with your inner game, okay? Because even if you're getting some failures, you're still increasing your confidence in other areas. And then you can kind of balance them out and you can draw strength from other parts of your life. Um, one thing that I, that I often teach just because it's easy to remember is there are really three parts of your life. I call them the three C's. There's your connections, your condition, and your calling. Now, your connections are basically any, any interactions you have with anyone. So they can be your friends, your family, your colleagues, your, your intimate interests. They could be just the woman you meet in Starbucks. It doesn't matter. Okay, but they have to be something that you're working on. Then there's your condition. Your condition is your level of health, both physically and mentally. What, and I'm not just talking about being healthy, but I'm talking about having energy to burn, being in a place where you're proud of your body, and being in a place where you know you experience positive emotions on a regular basis. Then you have your, what do we say, your connections, your condition, and then we have your calling. So your calling is basically whatever you choose to do with your time, okay? A lot of people get spiritual when they talk about, well, what's my calling? What I say is your calling is basically whatever you choose to do with the time that you have, okay? And you've got to use that time well and make the most of it. If you get those three C's taken care of, then you are really building confidence on that lifestyle level, okay? And you're creating the experiences you need to create. 
what I'll go into in a little bit is your, uh, there's actually one more level of confidence, which is your core confidence. And we get a little bit deeper there. We can talk about that in a little bit. What you were talking about was creating the experiences that you need in the early stages so that you can actually go out and start to improve your inner game. In that second level of confidence building and creating experiences, because I do get this question a lot from a lot of readers at TSB, yeah. is that when they when they're decide to make that change and they're working on that core level, do you recommend your students to eliminate the negativity or to work through it? Um, for instance, a lot of guys that write me say that their friends, you know, there's certain groups of friends they hang out with that don't accept the changes that they're making or there's, mm. you know, maybe a job that they have where everybody there still looks down at them and they feel that it's hard to make that change in that same environment. What do you usually mm. recommend uh, students in, in a situation like that? Okay, I'm, I'm actually really glad you asked that question because um, what we're essentially talking about here is, is your peer group, right? It's that group of people around you that influence you. And the truth is, we have peers that we choose consciously, uh, you know, so we have peers that we choose to role model, people that we choose to, to actually help us, and we have unconscious peers. Pe these are people that influence you, that you never really decided they should be influencing you, but they're in your life and they are. And those are the ones we have to worry about because those are the ones that can drag us down if we're not careful, because we didn't consciously select them. So now you could have a couple of friends in your friendship circle or people around you, in your family even, who consistently bring you down. They consistently kind of hurt your progress, because every time you try and take a step forward, they're trying to pull you down. I mean, it's bad enough that we have to go out and deal with a level of rejection <laughs> without then having to deal with rejection from people around us for even trying. So here's, here's what I, I generally make a rule for myself. With your peers, with those unhelpful peers, you have to do two things. First, you try and bring them with you. Okay, you, If you have a couple of friends, a couple of people around you who are really not supportive, First, you have a chat with them and you talk to them, you know, listen, you know, I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to actually get better and, and work on myself and I need you with me on this. You know, I, I, I think and I, I love having you around, but I need you with me on this because you're making this really hard for me. Okay, you express that desire and you, and you try and bring them with you. Okay, that's really important. So a lot of the time you get resistance because people feel like they're being left behind in some way. Well, what you have to do is actually express an interest in bringing them with you. Say, look, let's do this together. Help me out. Let's, you know, let's work together in this. Often, that actually gets across a lot of cynicism because then they think, okay, well, he's not trying to leave me behind. He's bringing me with him. If you find that you still get resistance, there has to be a, a cutoff point where you say, okay, I realize that I might actually have to leave this person behind on my journey that this person is not, no matter what I do, this person is not going to come with me and I have to be prepared to sever that connection. And that takes guts. Um, it really does because sometimes it means taking on a whole new peer group. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to lose those people out of your life altogether. Nothing's as black and white as that. But what it does mean is those times when you're going out to improve, those times when you're trying to actually get ahead and improve yourself, those aren't the times when you should be having those people around, 
okay, I have certain friends that I'll go out to dinner with and, you know, now and again I'll catch up with and I'll find out how they're doing, but I'll never ever have those certain friends around when I know that I'm in kind of that action mode, when I'm trying to get ahead, when I'm trying to grow my business or make myself a better person. They're not the people I listen to. Uh, so I think you have to be, you have to have selective hearing. Um, you have to really choose who it is you are going to listen to. Because let me tell you, your peer group, more than anything, will determine how far you get. If you have uh, a poor peer group, and let, you know, let's say you, you start to get a bit more success with women, and, or let's say, you, let's say you just start to get with someone who you think is really hot, you really enjoy their company, you think they're fantastic, and you manage to actually get her, and, and you're with a peer group that's not used to having success with women and are trying to kind of bring you down. When you go back to that peer group, you know the first things they're going to say, right? They'll say common stuff like, you got lucky, you know, or yeah. you'll, never hold, you'll never hold on to that girl. You know, she's too good for you. She's out of your league. This is all the sort of stuff that they will be saying. And what that does, the truth is you can succeed with a poor peer group, but the moment you do, you'll find that they suck all of the life out of it. And any momentum that you would have got, they will actually stunt. And that's a big problem because the whole success really comes from momentum. So that's lasting success anyway, right? We're not looking for one-off uh, runoff results here. We're looking for lasting, sustainable success. So they will immediately kind of suck the juice out of that for you. Whereas a peer group, let's say, that is really good with women or that the at least are out for your best interests, when you say that, that you got with that girl and that you made it happen, the chances are they're going to be saying, that's fantastic, you know, I'm really happy for you. Or, or you say, you know, you got with a hot girl tonight and they say just one. <laughs> you know, this is the sort of way that they'll react because they're really, they, they don't care. They're not threatened by your progress. And I think an important thing for listeners to remember is there are basically two types of peers you want to surround yourself with. Either, either they need to be people who are much better than you who are getting results that are far above what you're getting currently, which means they're going to drag you up, they're going to pull you up, they're going to show you a better roadmap of how to get there. Or, because let's face it, we can't have all of those as peers. You know, We have some of them, but not everyone we surround ourselves with is going to be like that. So the second option is that they are as hungry as you are. Yeah. So that means they don't have to be some insane role model but they do have to be someone who wants it as bad as you. Because often that can be enough. If you surround yourself with people who are really ambitious, really hungry, then they'll help you get there too. Because they want it as bad as you do. And I know that in my business um, and in what I do, I surround myself with people who are really, really hungry and they just want it badly. Because I know that if I surround myself with enough of those people, then that sort of ambition, that sort of hunger becomes the norm. And you want it to be the norm. You don't want it to be something special, something extraordinary. You want to think that it's normal to be that much of a go-getter. Because when you do think that, you just act anyway. You just think, oh, it's, it's, you know, it's natural to be like this. It's natural to want an, an, an extraordinary life. Whereas a lot of the time, if you have crappy peers around you, they'll kind of make you feel like you, you're, you're expecting too much from the world. And that is one of the biggest killers for your success. Yeah, definitely, definitely. 
I always uh, try to recommend that to people because I know even myself, um, like my high school friends, saw me in a different light than my college friends. And every time I would go home and hang out in my hometown, the energy and momentum was just zapped out of me. And it, it definitely is good advice that I recommend that the listeners take take hold of. Now, and that's definitely as, a problem that a lot of people have is going back. I know that a lot of people go to college, they get to create a new identity, and when they go back home, they get sucked into old ones again, right? Yeah. Now, as far as uh, like self-esteem and, and, and confidence-building coaches, you know, there's there's always been plenty of them around. What would you say you do better than anyone else, in your opinion, as far as uh, make, making making adjustments and getting results? Wow. <laughs> okay. Well, I think firstly that there are some fantastic coaches out there. I think that if you ever find yourself trying to select a coach, um, there are some great coaches out there. I would think a general rule is find someone who's already getting the results that you want. Don't find a confidence or self-esteem coach or anything like that who you don't actually see as an ultimate role model for confidence. Um, my My general view has been I always focus on, I, I try and learn from people who I just see as like insanely confident, people who just don't care about what other people think, people who just go and get what they want. They're the people that I really model. And if you're ever looking for a coach, try and find someone like that. I think uh, in terms of my own coaching, I'm really a guy who more than anything is about actually going out and making things happen, like actually trying stuff. And I always encourage people who come to me to take things a little less seriously um, because I think that's, that's a big problem is people come into this focusing on their inner game and suddenly feeling like the world is on their shoulders. It, you know, you have to be prepared to laugh at yourself a little bit, especially in the beginning, right? You're going to get some, some really bad results. You know, you're going to get some laughable results and you've got to be prepared to laugh at them. Um, one thing that, that I think I work particularly well with clients on is getting them to take a step back and getting them to really analyze, okay, where am I? Where am I trying to get to? And what's the crap that I've been selling myself about why I can't get it? Um, once you get a hold of that and you actually, you, you kind of laugh at yourself a little bit and you you kind of understand, okay, I know my limitations. I know that, you know, let's say I'm never going to look like Brad Pitt or I know that, you know, I, I haven't been used to getting these sorts of results in the past or, you know, I understand my limitations. Okay, now let's forget them and let's actually go out and get what it is I want. Um, that's something that, that I think is really important. But one thing I, I, I really pride myself on is you'll know that I was talking about those three levels of confidence. And when I read a lot of confidence books and, and listen to a lot of other coaches, they tend, to, they tend to misunderstand a lot of the time the nature of what it really takes to build confidence. And I'm, I'm not talking about superficial confidence. I'm talking about real confidence. They understand, I think a lot of the time they think that either it's good just to focus on the core level, i.e. that real deep level where you just assess, you know, how much am I, how, uh, by the way, I never, I never outlined this, but on that third level, what I call core confidence, the only way to truly be core confident is to love yourself. It sounds kind of cheesy, it sounds kind of airy-fairy, but it's the truth. 
that's the only way to be core confident because if all of that lifestyle stuff gets taken away from you, you know, you, you lose that good body or, or, you know, you get injured tomorrow and you can't work out or you lose your business or your house or, or the girl, then that's really all you've got left is how much you really appreciate and love yourself. And uh, I can always have a chat a, a bit later on about how to actually increase that core level of confidence. But I think most coaches make the mistake of either focusing too much on the surface level, which I think is what a lot of PUAs do, is they, they focus far too much on just that external level, that, that, those first two levels. And what that means is your confidence is actually built on really shaky roots because you know as soon as that stuff falls away, you're still left with no core confidence. But I know that a lot of other coaches focus almost too much on that core level so that now they're kind of digging, digging, digging all the time, trying to get to the bottom of why someone isn't confident and trying to kind of um, get really deep about it all the time without actually focusing on that outward stuff that could make people look better and feel more confident, look in the mirror and actually think, huh, you know, I, I look pretty good today. You know, I, I feel good about my life or, you know, actually make changes in their lifestyle. I think what is dangerous a lot of the time is when people say, well, you know, you need you don't want to root your confidence in anything external. I've heard that said before, you know, it shouldn't be rooted in your job or your girlfriend or anything. It should just be coming from within. Well, there's a certain level of truth in that. But what that does too often is give people an excuse to be complacent and not actually go out and create a better lifestyle and get more. Um, so what I pride myself in doing is coming at confidence from both sides, both from a core level and from the surface and middle level, so that we're basically attacking all fronts at the same time. Because when you do that, you really create unstoppable momentum um, because you're covering all the bases. I'm a strong believer in if you create an environment where you cover all the bases, it becomes impossible to lose. It becomes impossible to fail. Success becomes inevitable. And if, you, if anyone is looking to become more confident, if you attack all three levels, i.e. your surface level confidence, your middle level, and your core level, if you attack all three of those at the same time, success becomes inevitable. And I'm a real strong believer in that. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned this is a question I like to ask everybody in, in, the, in the, the field of coaching people on confidence. Is what's your opinion on, on things like subliminals and affirmations and self-hypnosis and... Uh, paraliminals because I think a, a lot of people um, you know when I hear a phrase like you said I love myself a lot of people that that's what pops in their mind is those those tapes with the uh, subliminal I love myself mindsets what, what's your opinion yeah and and that's why I'm always really like when I say it I'm always wary of going into it when I can't properly when I haven't got the time to go into it in detail because I find if especially if I say it in a seminar when I immediately say you know, you part of being core confident is actually truly loving yourself. A lot of people then switch off at that point because they say, yeah, yeah, I've heard this before. I've got to love myself anyway. Teach me another opener. <laughs> you know, yeah. teach me another thing to say. Well, that's because people have the wrong associations with, with what I'm saying there. As you rightly say, for a lot of people, it conjures up an image of, you know, affirmations and kind of NLP talk and stuff like that. And my personal view is that that stuff can work, but those are just tools. 
-hmm. Those are just tools. Those are just some of the tools out there for you to actually help yourself in that area. Now, for me, sitting there um, constantly listening to something saying, I love myself, I love myself, I love myself, it doesn't work for me. And I'm sure it doesn't work for a lot of listeners out there too. Um, I, I think that you have to you have to really give yourself reasons to love yourself rather than just trying to reaffirm it all the time. I think that's the problem is, you know, uh, people are saying to themselves, I love myself, I love myself, I love myself, and your brain's going, bullshit. <laughs> no, you don't. Um, and, and that becomes a problem because then you just start to disbelieve yourself when you start to just think, well, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm now I'm just trying to sell myself something. You have to find reasons reasons to be core confident, reasons to look in the mirror and say, that person right there is the best thing I have. You know, that, that's my best friend right there. Like me and him are the best team that we can possibly have. Because the truth is, you're, you're, you can trust yourself more than you can trust anyone else in your life. And you have to be willing to, to properly sit down and look at yourself and say, what is it? What are those reasons I have to really genuinely love myself? What are those reasons I have to actually appreciate who I am? What have I done in the past that I can be proud of? Who am I that I can be proud of? You know, and maybe I'm not, maybe right now I'm not, uh, you know, a god with women. Maybe right now I'm not rich. I'm not high status. But why? Why could I actually look at myself and say, God, you know, that I actually wouldn't want to be anyone else. Because I guarantee you look hard enough, you find reasons. Um, and I'm a big believer in, uh, I think visualizations really help. Um, sometimes I think it's hard to do them by yourself. I think sometimes you need someone to actually, someone with experience to go through those with you. Um, if you, you know, sometimes when you go through them by yourself, you, you find yourself like you always getting these other thoughts coming in, you get distracted and, and, it, and I find it, it actually gets a little hazy. It helps if you have someone to go through those with you and in the right environment, they can really help because it's all about being able to change your state and actually change what you're focusing on in your life. Are you focusing on things about yourself that you're really unhappy with all the time and always the weaknesses or are you focusing on parts of yourself that you could have, you, you know, they've always been there. You could have, you know, you could always have really loved yourself for that. I mean, for example, when you were at school, was there a time when there was one guy getting bullied and you were the one guy who actually said something? Or, you know, were you the, were you the guy who, when everyone else was, was having a go or wailing on someone else, you were the one guy who wasn't doing it, who actually, you know, stood back and, and didn't do anything. Because, you know, these are all, these are all important things. Are, are you a generous person? You know, are you, are you someone who is actually a really nice guy? You treat people well. These are all reasons to love yourself. And I think one danger of the pickup community is it often teaches guys that, that those kind of uh, assets are not assets. They're bad things to have. And they're, they're really not. You know, they're really things to be proud of. Um, sometimes all you need is those things with a little more, um, maybe maybe slightly more aggression about going after what you want. It doesn't make those qualities you already have bad. Okay, and if people were to take three lessons from today, what would they be? Three lessons from today. Well, I think, firstly, as I said before, you can either wait or you can create. 
okay, in any given situation, no matter what it is, you either have the ability to wait around for opportunity or you can go out and you create it. Always be asking yourself, am I waiting around right now or am I actually going and creating what I want? Secondly, um, smile at the suffering. You know, people are, people, we, I think too often we're conditioned to think that, that the suffering, that the, the parts where we get rejected or we don't feel good, they're the bad parts, when truly they're the parts that make you who you are. Um, one thing uh, that was said to me that I'll always remember is when, when someone's talking about, you know, they wish this didn't happen, they wish they didn't have to deal with this big, big problem, you say to them, no, you don't. Uh, you know, you should wish for it. You should be happy with it because that problem is going to make you the man you're about to become. And I think that's really powerful. If you see every problem as not something you wish wasn't there, but something that is going to make you the man you're about to become, and without that problem, you wouldn't become that man, then you start to realize that suffering is a good thing. You know, suffering is no, no, no great shame. You know, it's, it's something that is there to help you grow as a person and make you who you're going to become. And then thirdly, I think go for gold, you know. Don't, don't worry about lowering your standards for anyone. If you're going to do this, if you're going to do something, go all out or don't bother. I re I'm a strong believer in that. If you're going to do something, then go for it. Go for it with everything you have because there's no other way to do something in life. If you're going to half-ass something, don't even bother. Life is far, far too short. You have to be willing to take the punches, to roll with it, and just say, screw it. Whatever it is I have to do for this, if I'm doing it, if I've decided to do it, then it should be something that is worth doing. And if it's worth doing, then I might as well give it everything I have. So if you're deciding to do something, if you actually set yourself on a path, go for it. Go for it with everything you have and expect the best. Don't go for average. Don't even go for above average. Go for the best. Uh, someone that, uh, one of my old teachers in fact, had this motto for himself. Uh, this was actually a teacher at school. This was really cool. He used to say, aim for perfection, strive per for, for perfection, but make do with excellence. And I think that's fantastic. That's, what, that's how we should do life. Strive for perfection, but make do with excellence. And I'd say this to all the listeners out there is go for gold. You know, go for it. But you know what? Make do with excellence. <laughs> you know, I can live with excellence. And I think that's really important. So those are the three things. Wait or create, smile at the suffering, and go for gold. That's some, some great advice. Now, for the, the guys listening to this who are feeling pretty motivated and they, they want to get going, is there any mistakes that you found guys make when they're attempting to change uh, that they should be aware of or watch out for? I think the one of the biggest things that guys should be aware of is that they are going to hit roadblocks mm -hmm. okay this this is something that is rarely taught and what i find is guys hit roadblocks and then suddenly they decide oh it must be time to give up this isn't for me what you have to realize is there are going to be roadblocks there are going to be moments along the way where it's tough 
where you don't feel like you can go on, where you feel like the suffering has just got too bad, that doesn't mean that it's time to give up. That doesn't mean that it's now time to turn back or decide that, you know what, you weren't built for this. Those are the times, those, those times are really gifts. They're times where you get to grow, where you get to, to as I said, become the man you're about to become. And I think uh, one thing that I'd love to make people aware of at this stage is when you start, there will be a, a, a kind of a steep learning curve, right? It always starts steep. But there will, in, there will eventually be a part where you feel like you stagnate or you feel like you hit a wall. When you hit that wall, you can do what most people do and turn back or what some other people do, which is just continuously bang their head against it, hoping that something will happen. Or you can actually, you, you can build a ramp. You know, I actually, in fact, I use this, uh, this um, acronym for people who are looking to you know, they hit a wall and they don't know how to get over it. Ramps basically are, it's the four components you need to overcome any obstacle. A ramp is your roadmap. So you need a roadmap. Wherever, wherever you're going, you need a roadmap. You need to decide how you're going to get from here to there. Then there's accountability. You must have accountability. If you don't, you won't do it. We all know when we go out and we want to, let's say, approach more, or we want to go and talk to people, we want to be more sociable, we need to be held accountable. Otherwise, it's too easy not to do it. It's the same with going down the gym, right? Why do we hire a personal trainer? Because we need someone to hold us accountable. Then there's your mentor, the third part of your ramp. You need a mentor. You need someone to help show you the way. It doesn't matter whether that's a paid-for mentor or that's just someone that you know in your circle who can help you or you negotiate for someone to do it for free just to help. Just find a mentor. Find someone who can guide you through that because your mentor can give you both your roadmap and your accountability in one go. Lastly, there's your peer group. Okay, you must have a peer group which is going to just, just skyrocket your success. Your peer group should propel you to where you want to go. And you must start building that now. Not later, but now. Okay, so your ramp, your roadmap, your accountability, your mentor, and your peer group, that's how you get over any wall. No matter what it is, no matter how hard it is to get over, how, you, how much you think it's going to stop you, your ramp will get you through that. Um, and I, it's a really nice model for people to remember in getting over any part that they need to. Yeah. You mentioned roadmap. What do you think some good short-term and even long-term goals are for a beginner? Short-term and long-term goals. I think short-term goals have to be um, really practical things, small practical things. I, In fact, I actually designed a program for exactly that, you know, that short term, getting yourself out there, doing really practical stuff, little missions which make, which allow you to kind of benchmark your progress and get forward. It's actually called VI personality. And it was generally, it was a course designed at enabling people to be high status in any given situation. And that really deals with that stuff because it's all about going out, doing practical things. Like, for example, getting people's names, right, going out, and you could go into a room. In fact, one of the modules on this is how to work a room like a VIP. Well, that's basically one of the missions in that is to actually go into a room and get 20 names in the space of 10 minutes. 
So you go out and you actually, you, all you have to do is go out and get 20 names in 10 minutes. What that does is it forces you to go out and actually meet 20 people. You're not now focusing on, well, I need to get a number or I need to make something extraordinary happen. You're just getting the names. And what people find is once they do that, they then get results later on because they have a bunch of new friends, a bunch of new people that they actually know. So little things like that make a big difference. You have to be setting yourself little targets. Um, I know that uh, as a, a kind of a, another fun benchmark, uh, one thing that I uh, in the beginning struggled with was negotiation. I really wanted to become a better negotiator in every area. I'm not talking business. In life, if you want to get ahead, you better be able to negotiate. Um, and basically, I designed a module which was how to negotiate like a VIP. And one of the missions in this module was you have to be able to go into a chocolate shop, an expensive chocolate shop, and negotiate yourself a free chocolate. Now, when you set yourself little goals like that, little targets, you can't not make progress because you're actually going out and doing really practical stuff. I actually took 40 guys through this program and they got extraordinary results because they were going out and doing all these little things and I was holding them accountable, right? I was both their mentor and their accountability. So I'm holding them accountable and I'm giving them a roadmap, i.e. I'm showing them, right, these are some little missions you need to do in the early stages to negotiate better, to have better conversation, right? Part of this course is teaching you how to never run out of things to say, how to make sure that you always flow in conversation. And I'm not just talking about with women, but socially in general. So this is all short-term stuff. Long-term, long-term, you have to have an idea of where it is you're headed. Okay, basically, long-term, you deal with your why. Why am I doing this? What am I really headed for? Because if you don't have a why in the long-term, you're never going to do these little missions, these little practical steps in the short term because you're not going to do something. You're not going to go through any pain or any, any effort if you haven't got a big enough why of why am I doing this? What is my purpose in doing this? If you get a big enough why, you can, you can get through anything. And that's what you have to do. Long term, it's not, I'm, I'm not actually a believer in setting tons and tons and tons of long term goals because I think life moves too fast. Uh, I think in, 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 uh, you'll know from, from your business, life moves so fast in six months, right? Over, even over a month, so much changes, right? Oh, yeah. So, so you, you can't always be planning 10 years ahead or five, even five years ahead. I tend to plan about six months to, to 12 months ahead at any given time. And once I've kind of laid down, okay, I know this is where I'm heading towards. I know this is why I'm going there. Then I set that aside and I say, okay, so now let's focus on now. What am I really doing now? People far too often focus on the future and, you know, plan, 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 plan without actually taking action now and doing something. Um, one of my, my biggest philosophies is bless the present. You know, the, this moment right now that is, is the only moment of power you have. You don't have the past. You don't, have, you don't have 15 minutes ago, it's already gone. You don't have last week, it's already gone. You have no power there. But at the same time, you don't have a week from now or a year from now. It hasn't, the future hasn't arrived yet. You have no power there. You have no power to act in the future. Okay, so you can't do anything 15 minutes from now. The only time you can do something is right now in this second. And I, I, one of my, I actually have a motto 
um, which is check your watch, fasten your seatbelt, make your move, and prepare for the inevitable. And uh, right now, I want to focus on that first part, which is check your watch. The reason I say check your watch is because any time you do, you should decide that the time is now. Right? There is no other time. If you're thinking, hmm, should I do this right now? I'm oh, no, forget it. I can do it tomorrow. That's when you check your watch and you decide, right, the time is now. There is no other time. I don't even have tomorrow yet. I could get hit by a car tonight and I won't be here tomorrow. I only have this second right now. So what am I doing in this second right now that is creating instead of waiting, that is creating the life that I deserve? Yeah, excellent. And you you mentioned, this is something I wanted to ask you, you mentioned just now, and you actually mentioned a little earlier, the idea of calling or a purpose. And this is something that I've tried to explain to people, but it's tough for me to articulate it without, like you mentioned, coming across as in a spiritual way. When yeah. you say that, how do you how do you define that calling or purpose to somebody who may not, who may be hesitant because they think in terms of uh, spiritual and that you have to be, uh, you know, a uh, uh, like uh, in a religious type way or a, or a good okay. Samaritan type way? Well, I'll, I'll stress right now that I, I really am not, I have no strong religious views. I'm, I'm very much someone who is, is kind of undecided a lot of, about a lot of that stuff. All I know is that, all, all I know for sure is that my time on this earth is severely limited. <laughs> Okay, I am here for a certain amount of time, and in that time, somewhere along the way, I get to make an impact on the world, on the people in it. I get to change things. That's all we really need to focus on. And when I talk about your calling, all I really mean is, what are you doing with the time that you have available to you? One thing that, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm very glad you brought this up, because I think people get far too caught up in am I doing the right things with my time? You know, is, is, am I really fulfilling my destiny? Am I, am I, you know, or, or they get upset because they haven't yet found what they're passionate about. Because self-help, what does it say? It says, find your passion, find your yeah. passion, and then follow your passion. Well, I, I, sometimes I feel like that's, that's not very good advice because some people don't know what their passion is. And what that then does is make them, them kind of, uh, it makes them paranoid or it makes them feel inferior because they don't know what their passion is. And the more they search for it, they find, the more they find it's, it's not there. You know, they, they start yeah. deciding that, well, I don't have, maybe I don't have a passion. Maybe there's something with me, right? The truth is, the truth is you have to say, okay, in life, there's, a, there's not one thing that I'm passionate about. There are many things that I'm passionate about. You know, I know myself, I'm passionate about, uh, achieving, I'm passionate about sport, I'm passionate about food, <laughs> you know, I'm passionate about business, there are tons of things I'm passionate about. It doesn't, it, I, I think people have to stop getting so focused on whether they are doing the one right thing. All you have to decide to do is, what can I do with my life right now that is going to allow me to meet all of my criteria? Okay, so look at what your criteria is. Look at what your values are. I know for me, at any one time, I need to feel like, A, I'm, I'm achieving and I'm growing. Um, B, I am expressing myself. C, I'm actually helping people and I'm changing things and I get to actually influence the way people are. Um, and D, you know, I'm, I'm making great money. 
those are things that I need to be doing in order to actually feel feel like I'm a, I, I'm I'm happy. So any path that I take needs to allow me to do those things. Now I've chosen um, basically to build a career out of public speaking. What my 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 big goal is is to actually become one of the best speakers worldwide. That's something that I want for myself. Um, but I don't think that's the only route to my happiness. I don't think that's necessarily my destiny. It's just a path that I have chosen that allows me to meet all of my criteria. And I think people have to get a lot less caught up in, you know, what is my calling? What is my destiny? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? Don't worry about that. If you think like that, you'll always be worried that you're choosing the wrong path. All you have to do is decide, what can I do with my time right now that allows me to meet my values and allows me to grow? If you're doing that, you can be happy doing any number of things. I think that I could be happy doing a hundred different, different paths. You know, taking a hundred different paths, I could be happy. There's no one path for me, and I really hope that in my lifetime I get to experience a bunch of different paths. You know, I don't want to get caught up in one thing for my entire life. I want to experiment. I want to move around. I want to be flexible. And, you know, I think sometimes people don't, don't choose. They don't get decisive with what they're going to do with their time because they're so worried they're going to get it wrong. Well, you know what? You just have to go for something. If, if later on you know that it's not right or that it doesn't feel right, then you can change course. Life's not black and white. You don't choose something and then get stuck there forever. You try something out. You change course. I mean, if you read any, any um, bio, autobiography of a famous entrepreneur, someone who's really got far, you'll find that they change course like 10 or 20 times, some of them 100 times before they actually found where they, where they should be going. And I think that's a good lesson for everyone, whether it's in business or, or, or just hobbies or wherever they want to go with their life. Life isn't black and white like that, okay? You get, to, you get to try things, and if they're not right, you get to put them down and try something else. You just have to go for it. Whatever it is, go for it. But remember what I said earlier. If you're going to do something, go all out. Play all out. Otherwise, don't bother. Okay, so that's, I, I really think that's important, and I, I think that um, it will help people in just taking action straight away. Yeah, no, I agree, and thank you for clarifying that, because that is something that, um, you know, like I said, I, I've always tried to articulate it to people who ask me that. Well, I don't have a passion, or I don't know what my purpose is, and I I've, haven't been able, haven't haven't been able to, to articulate it quite the way you did, and I think that will really help people out who are struggling with that uh, that notion that there's only one passion or one purpose out there for them, and that they have yeah. to wait until it's handed to them by some magical <laughs> being. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, if you want to, if you, if anyone wants to get in contact um, with me, they can feel free. I, um, I'm always answering emails, trying to help people out. Uh, my email is m.h.lifestyle at gmail.com. Um, that will come straight through to me. So that's m for mother dot h dot lifestyle at gmail dot com. If you want to find out more about uh, my VI personality program and what that entails, it's a fantastic program. It's the best thing I've ever created, and it contains all of my knowledge to date. 
you can find that that's going to be launched um, and you'll also be able to find that soon on puatraining.com. So uh, keep checking it out and if you want more information on that, feel free to email me. And I'd like to say, Bobby, it's been an absolute pleasure um, doing this interview with you. I hope that we can do more together in the future. Yeah, definitely, Matt. I really enjoyed talking to you, and I think you gave the uh, listeners a wealth of information and, and just some really practical stuff to get started. And it sounds like you, you really have a great coaching system going on, and uh, definitely, definitely recommend they check out your uh, VI personality, is it called? Yeah, that's right. That's right. VI personality, yep. And uh, just, just last question. I know you're in New York. So how are you enjoying uh, New York? Your first time here? New York? Yeah, no, uh, first time actually on, on business. I've been doing a couple of radio interviews and seminars and whatnot, so I've kind of been mixing business with pleasure. But, you know, I, I love this place. I, I actually find it's really similar to London in a lot of ways. Have you been to London? Uh, for only only on a stopover for about eight hours. Oh, I so. see. Uh, yeah, no, I, I actually find that it's, there's a lot of similarities. It's just bigger. Every, everything in America is just bigger, right? Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's it, you know it's cool. I love the place. I, I I got the chance to party for a couple of nights, and 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 I've had an amazing time. We're gonna have to hook up the next time I'm here. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, it was great talking to you, and uh, I'm sure I will talk to you again. Okay, you take care, my friend. Thank you, Bobby. Yep. Thanks again for joining us. I hope you enjoyed the interview. We have over 50 podcasts and interviews available for immediate download at www greatseducer.com. Check them out. And also, don't forget to join us daily at tsbmag.com.